Lightning Lewis, you're listening to Zoots Boxing Talk. All righty, everybody. Welcome to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. And how's everybody doing out there this evening? We are live Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022. And we will be talking to Tony Lewis a little bit later on. Tony Lightning Lewis, I believe, is now officially retired and he has taking on a new career as a boxing analyst, so looking forward to speaking with him. Up first, we're going to have Philadelphia matchmaker Zach Familio. He'll be on in just a little bit. And primarily, Zach and I will be talking about uh, the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Their ballots have been released uh, since I've been a member of the International Boxing Research Organization for a few years now. I have an official vote. I have the ballots, and Zach and I will be discussing that. Now, I'm going to go the Nigel Collins route of things and not officially release my ballot. I know everybody, pretty much everybody else that has a vote uh, releases who they voted for, whether they post a, a picture on Facebook or write an article about it. Lee Groves usually does a good job of uh, explaining who made it on his ballot and why. But I'm going to go and I'm going to be secretive. I've had Nigel Collins on here. He's got a good uh, new book out. I want to get that and uh, talk to him again about that. But uh, when he said that, I asked him about the vote, and he's like, yeah, I, I usually keep it private. I don't release it. So I'm going to go that route. And even though Zach and I will be discussing it, discussing the names, and it should be 
a lot of fun. But, uh, you, you know, when you have Zach on, we might start talking about uh, Richard Harris and Orca at any point. So be prepared. But uh, before we get Zach on, we can uh, talk about the big boxing car that was that took place in Carson, California uh, this past week. And it was really the only game in town for the American uh, television folks. And it was on Showtime and it was a triple header. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of... Uh, negativity about uh, the sweet science lately about the promised fights that uh, don't seem to be materializing and I get all that but if you took in an evening of boxing on Saturday on Showtime and you forgot for a minute uh, all of the uh, fights that we are promised and teased with it don't seem to be happening yet if you forget for a minute that Harry Greb fought like 40 something times in one year many years ago if you forget one minute that all the great fighters of the past and say these guys are nothing if you forget all that for a minute and you sit down and watch that triple header you were treated to a good night of boxing I mean it started off with uh, Fernando Martinez and Joan and Cajas in a nice uh, little rematch. Uh, the first time around, everybody thought it was a fluke. Uh, Martinez proved there was no fluke, and it was a good, solid 12 rounds of, of boxing. I thought Martinez won a comprehensive decision, but I was entertained for the entire 12 rounds. It was intriguing. Both fighters tried to throw in new wrinkles. Uh, uh, Mont- Martinez threw a little bit more to the body, a little bit more comprehensive body attack. Both guys are flawed, which usually makes for a fun fight as well. Uh, and uh, I think there was no doubt this time around that uh, Fernando Martinez belongs in, in the club. I mean, he, he was his second time around where he won, I thought, a convincing uh, decision. And uh, we definitely want to see uh, more from him. And I'll talk about more about that in a second. Then you had Carlos Adamas taking on Juan Macias Montiel. And this one was a lot shorter, but it ended in a sizzling third-round stoppage. A lot of good exchanges along the way. I mean, uh, Montiel is a perfect stranger to defense. But again, those kinds of fights make things fun. Uh, You want to see more of Adamas. You want to see what he could do. He's been at the very top of uh, the echelon. And it should be fun to see how he can get back to it. And then in the main event, you had Sebastian Bandora taking on Carlos Ocampo. And if you don't know anything about uh, Sebastian Bandora, I mean, right away for his weight class and, and his length, for, I'll just say his length, right? And uh, he's a, an amazing figure to look at. Uh, he puts on a good show when he's in the ring. And he was at the Boxing Hall of Fame this past June, and he's just a sweetheart of a guy. I mean, he's an impossible guy. If you if you spend any time with him, he's an impossible guy not to root for. Such a good kid, such a friendly kid. Nothing fake about him. I mean, he he gave his time, pictures, autographs. I mean, some of these guys they go there, they don't want to sign. Uh, Crawford was there. All he did was take pictures. He didn't want to sign. And he doesn't seem to be signing for anything else either. Uh, Come on, bud. Make the fight. Let's go. But uh, not only did Fandora sign for everybody, take pictures for everybody, even had little photos uh, 
of himself that were that, that he was signing. This guy brought his own photos to sign to give to people. I mean, how, how could you not root for the guy? And it was a pretty entertaining fight. Fandar is always interesting because obviously he's uh, freakishly tall and long for the weight class, and uh, he does fight tall at times, but he, he likes to mix it up. He wants to get inside, and, uh, you know, he's pretty comprehensive on the infighting. I mean, at least he is at the level he's fighting now. I don't know once he starts uh, stepping up to more dangerous guys, uh, if I would advise him to spend so much time on the inside as he did, especially in uh, that fight. But, uh, you know, he's an, he's entertaining. He's an easy to root for, and, and he puts on a good show. It, was a, it wasn't an easy fight by any stretch. You know, Campo was right there. He was banging. He wasn't uh, crumbling from the first side of a combination. So we got some good stuff uh, for Saturday night. I mean, that's the thing about boxing. And if you ever listen to me, all kidding aside, that's what I always say. It's uh, I don't care. You could pick any era in boxing. I don't care what anybody says. And you're going to find uh, situations where fights that you wanted did not happen. I realize now it seems to be more um, magnified than ever before, especially with the quote-unquote boxing leagues and rival promoters and all of that and to some extent it's true but it it, just didn't happen like last week where we we forgot uh where we uh get uh jerked on fights that we hope for so much right but bo lennox lewis anybody right everybody talks about what a great era that is now why you weren't saying that back then when you were bitching and complaining when the hell are we ever going to see riddick bo and lennox lewis well guess what we never did unless you count the olympic fight but what you got to do is you got to judge what you get on the merit, right? And what we got on the merit on Saturday night, I, I thought it was pretty good. Now, the second part, I think it was three solid fights on, on Showtime, all entertaining. Yeah, you got a little bit of everything. Uh, every one of those fighters was were flawed, but every one of those fighters went in there trying to win. I mean, you know, as a fan – that's what you want. That's what you're looking for. Now, the other side of it is what's next. When is the next one? And uh, for especially for Martinez and Fandora, when is the next one? Are we going to see uh, Fandora step up in class? Are we going to see Martinez take on the best of the division? We certainly hope so. And uh, we, we will probably get that uh, with a lower weight class guy, Martinez, because that's what usually happens. Bandara uh, against a guy like Charlo uh, or anybody like that. I mean, they, these guys always say all the right things. They always tweet all the right things. But do we always get the right things? I don't know. But uh, re- regardless uh, of the case, Martinez, Adamas, and Bandara show that they are top-level guys in boxing circa 2022 and that's all they can be and i for one can't wait to see all of them again hopefully all against better competition that's what we always hope for but doesn't always work out that way uh zach when he comes on he knows that better than anybody but uh, that is boxing and for the most part that's always been boxing i know i get i'll get a lot of uh backlash on that the old men guys are probably what 
Zoot, what the hell are you talking about? Well, I don't have time to go into it in detail, but uh, we could sit down and have a conversation. And Body Attack was one of the big things of the Showtime card. All three fights had the Body Attack as a big part of it, especially the first two. And what's that we always hear? We never see guys go to the body anymore. Guys don't know how to go to the body anymore. Well, if you stood and you spent any time watching uh, Saturday night, uh, that proved to be false. So Zach will be on in a few minutes. But uh, before we get to Mr. Pomilio, uh let's look at what's ahead for this week just briefly because it is a big uh, boxing weekend we do have a lot and again a lot of promising stuff a lot of stuff to complain about all over uh, the television waves so to speak nowadays you don't know, can't even say the television anymore the streaming services but uh, we have uh, after a lot of disappointment a lot of cancellations for whatever reasons uh, we got a pretty stacked card of uh, boxing this weekend, uh, and some of it is a breath of fresh air. Some of it makes you crazy, right? So the breath of let, let's start with the the negative. Let's start with what makes you crazy. Deontay Wilder versus Robert Halinas, a very, very, very good fight, an intriguing fight, a fight I definitely want to see. But I am not willing to pay $75. There's no way that this fight should be a $75 pay-per-view. And that's exactly what it is. At least I think that's what it is. It might even be higher. I mean, they, they, they're just killing themselves with all these, these pay-per-views. I thought we were getting away from the pay-per-views, but it seems to be uh, making a rash comeback for fights that, that don't really belong on pay-per-view. And the undercard of uh, Wilder, Hellenist in Brooklyn is pretty good, but still nothing pay-per-view worthy as far as I'm concerned. And to up the ante with pay-per-view, tomorrow night, also in New York, Heather Hardy is headlining a card that's on some kind of pay-per-view. And they're, they're actually at 20 You want to see that? You got to pay 20 bucks. Now, you got some good talent on there as well, like Ivan Golub. Zach is uh, going to be on momentarily. He knows all about him. But still, who in their right mind is going to pay 20 bucks for that on a Thursday night? I don't know. But the breath of fresh air before we get uh, Zach on is on ESPN, you get the Haney-Cambosis rematch. And that's good for all the right reasons. First of all, it's on ESPN. Now, obviously, you get next week I'll be on here bitching about what a terrible job uh, ESPN and Top Rank did with all the dopey delaying and, and the, the commentary and uh, the, the re- replaying the same pieces 20 times. The card will start, and then three hours later, there'll still be no main event, and it's not like they're churning out one fight after another. I get all that, but still, it's on ESPN, so we can't complain that much. Probably going to be some kind of game on that's going to push the, the start of it back at least 40 minutes anyway. But breath of fresh air because nobody really has to pay for it. Most people can get ESPN for a fairly reasonable price. That's considered free TV in today's boxing world. 
and it's a, a, a rematch. You know, these guys are honoring the contract. That's always a breath of fresh air. Uh, Cambosis gets to, to, to prove that uh, last time around he wasn't his best self and he could do a, a better job against a, a, a guy that's tough to look good against like Haney. You know, anybody who's a real boxing fan and puts all the other garbage aside should be somewhat excited about that, right? I get it. Haney's not usually the most entertaining guy, but still, that I don't have to pay for it. I'm there. But you want to talk about breath of fresh air. There is no more breath of fresh air than Mr. Zach Pamilio, matchmaker extraordinaire from Philadelphia. Sometimes he's actually the producer of this show. If anybody dies, he'll let you know about it in a second. And, and you never know when Richard Harris is going to come up in Christian. Here he is, Mr. Zach Familia. Welcome back. Was that a Richard Harris reference there? It was. Don't you remember? Yeah, my man, uh, man called horse. <laughs> not exactly. Well, yes, but not exactly. That's not why I'm bringing him up. Okay. The last time. Oh. You, we had you on the show. You brought up the great film Orca. You don't remember? Oh, oh yeah, with uh, early Bo Derek. <laughs> How could you forget that? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I know you're a little preoccupied because of this Philadelphia Phillies uh, stuff going on. Last I checked, they didn't yeah. even start yet. What, what's going on with that? Are no, they no, it's, it's try uh, zero zero in? in the third. It's, oh, it's nothing, nothing okay. in the third. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. So I, I don't know how much you heard or how much you really want to talk about. I haven't heard. I actually last just just what you're talking about with Haney. Other than that, I haven't heard anything. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we're primarily going to get to the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame ballot, and I, I told everybody that uh, since I've been a member of the International Boxing Research Organization for the last few years, I've I do have a vote. I had a vote last year. This year. Uh, I'm the, I'm going to go to Nigel Collins' route, I said, and uh, not reveal publicly who I vote for. I'll tell you know good friends of mine privately, but I'm not going to be one of these guys that post it on Facebook or any or write an article about it. But I do want to talk to you about it. But uh, before we get into that, what are your thoughts? I I, I also said that uh, while the Hellenius, as intriguing as it is for me, not paying for it, I think it's really. Uh, terrible that it's on pay-per-view and why are we seeing all these pay-per-views lately that for fights that are quite frankly not pay-per-view worthy and I also put in a little bit of a, a discussion of the Showtime card so if you wanted to comment if you have your own thoughts on the Showtime card or, or what's coming up this weekend feel free to chime in now uh, well you, you, you mentioned uh, what is pay-per-view worthy and I agree and it's a shame because you know, I mean, even me, who is about as hardcore as it gets, you know, I, I've said uh, in the past that, like, I don't really understand the the uh, marketing strategy of the zone because it's like, who are they looking for, me? <laughs> I mean, like, and, and the weird thing is, is that I currently don't have the zone. But it, and what right, I mean right. by that is it, it's like, like, are we trying to res- make the audience smaller? Because, I, you know, I guess this always goes back to what we talk about all the time is, you know, and we get asked this question a lot. How did you discover boxing? Right? And 
you know, with me, it's a culmination of a, of a, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, a, a, a multifaceted answer. It's, a, you know, obviously I'm from Philadelphia, which is a boxing town. There was boxing in my background. My grandfather was an amateur fighter and a, and a pro fighter. You know, a, uh, discovering pictorial history of boxing, the, the Fleischer book in the library. If you remember that place that no one seems to remember anymore. Um, and probably the most important is prime time or Saturday afternoon boxing on free TV. Now I know it's a different right. era and everybody streams, you know, and, you know, we're talking about the, the era where it was, you know, four channels, if you include, if you include PBS and UHF, you know, right. you know so, you know, in my, at least in my town, it was like six, seven channels. Uh, I think same it's pretty here. much the same thing with you. You, you probably had yeah. what, Channel 11 or something like that. Right, right, um, WPIX. And, but, I mean, like, we all discovered boxing the same way, you know, with, like, you know, Tim Ryan and Gil Clancyland at 3 o'clock right after uh, Chris Schenkel and bowling. You know, and, and, you know, we saw a lot of these guys. And, right. and I think that's the, the problem that I just don't understand. And I actually, I'm sorry to go with this really long answer, but, I, my my case in point for this, and why I brought up the zone, is a guy like Mangia. If you remember when Mangia was first coming up, and I think actually he almost jumped completely into the scene because remember he was the guy that was going to jump in from nowhere to fight Triple J. And he didn't wind up getting that fight, but he wound up getting on HBO the last few, you know, maybe the last half a year of HBO. And he became right. kind of like the next Fernando Vargas on, on, on HBO, similar style guy, exciting guy to watch, sort of had that, you know, sort of that baby fat body, right? And then HBO went under, and Golden Boy put all their stuff on the zone, and now it cuts to like a couple of years later, and I have my cousins who are like gambling degenerates going, uh, who is this guy who's like a, you know, a 30 to 1 favorite? Magiga, I'm like that's Mangia, and they don't, right. you know. And these are guys that would normally have watched HBO, and we're familiar with guys like Vernon Forrest and, and uh, you know Mosley, and they now they're completely clueless in the guy because he just got sent in, into like cult, you know, uh, purgatory, along with a lot right. of other guys. And it, so you know, to go all the way back to your original question of pay per view, it's like I don't get it, like. You you want guys now I understand that Wilder doesn't need any you know, he he's a pretty well known guy and obviously that's why they decided to go pay per view but he's a former heavyweight champion. But I mean, who knows Helenus other than complete lunatics like us? Right. So right. I mean like I, I don't get it. It's like don't you want to get like if put it this way, really I think the best thing that can happen is Helenus knocks him cold. Knocks him absolutely cold. Because I think, there's right. no, I think there's no marketing of Wilder. I don't want to see Wilder again. I don't even know. I'm not even so sure he should be fighting. Right? So, but Helenus annihilates Wilder, especially if it was like on regular Fox. Boom. Now you got a guy explode. You know, now, now right. you got a guy who's right in the mix with, with Usyk and, 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 and Joshua and, you know, and obviously Fury, if any of them actually get in the ring, you know, with that whole mess. But, you understand what I'm saying? It's like that, uh -huh. that exposure. You want to. You you want it. What you what I I I don't understand in, in modern boxing marketing is, and I'm not a marketing expert. I'm a matchmaker. But what's in, 
I don't understand this where years ago you would bump into stuff. That's sort of a problem in media as is now. Like, you don't just find stuff. Like, I remember as a kid rolling around the channels and finding on PBS Doctor Who. But what is a what is that eight year old gonna how gonna find Doctor Who now? Right, right. How would that possibly happen? You know, the kid likes the kid maybe likes video games or something. He's gonna go to the internet or to you know some streaming thing that's gonna give him video games. So he's gonna see one tunnel vision view of the world. And actually, and and what's made worse is now with all the um, uh, uh, you know the the the, the, uh, the you know the 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 devices that they have. Um, I'm trying to think of the word for it. You know, with the the the, the, the uh, algorithms, with all the algorithms out there, mm. it you know, like I, I admit, I go on my Facebook feed and everything is, you know, boxing and comic books, boxing and comic books. I'm like, geez, I don't have any other interest. But but it's because <laughs> that's what I look at, right? right. So the, the you know the the you know the algorithm takes me there, you know. I'm sure if I look at the, you know, home loan insurance, you know, it has showed me all that. But it makes you kind of a one-dimensional guy, you know. And I think that's the problem is that no one's discovering boxing, you know. I mean, I mean, the closest you can get to it is maybe if ESP, if someone has ESPN Plus, and because there's a varied, you know, array of boxing on Plus, then maybe you go on the app and you kind of click around. Other than that, who's going looking for it? You know, it's not exp- – it, it, I think it's narrowing, the, narrowing the, the viewership rather than expanding, especially with younger. Exactly, yeah. I know there's just so many more uh, of the pay-per-views uh, popping up. But before we get into the, the Hall of Fame, uh, uh, what do you think uh, the number – are we going to get any kind of good number, pay-per-view numbers? I mean, Wilder's obviously uh, – still a name i don't know if he's still a draw you know people just know him for you know more or less getting beat up by tyson fury twice uh, yeah there's a lot more to it than that but that's what most people are going to think about him and i can guarantee you I'll, i could go out on the street uh right now I, I could ask 20 people that i work with and they probably don't even know the fight's happening but th- th- that's not the way that's not the people they're targeting are the degenerate boxing fans going to pluck down $75 for this card, especially with uh, a, a card on ESPN uh, the same evening? Uh, I, I actually think it's the other way around. I think the degenerate fans, the, uh, you know, I, I think I've actually seen already Glazier, who of course is a, is a Heyman hater. is saying like, I will never pay, you know, for that, oh, right, right. for that show. <laughs> right. But but that being said, I'm not paying for it either. I, I actually think right. the hardcore degenerates are actually the people that are that, that are kind of drawing the line in the sand and saying, no, 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 I'm not paying for that. Not paying I for actually that. think the so audience. If that's I, the case, how's it going to do well? Well, I actually think that the audience that, weirdly enough, that will get, and remember you're talking to the guy who's the matchmaker of Rec Holmes and Butterbean. <laughs> so, you know, I think that what they're <laughs> counting on is – Former heavyweight champions and heavyweights in general have a ghoulish interest, you know, with, with, with the uh, with the general public. So I think, I mean, I don't think it's going to do gangbusters by any means because they don't know who Elanius is. They, they, you know, the, the problem with the the fundamental problem with the fight is is that, you know, you've got someone that's only known by hardcores fighting a mainstream guy. 
So, I mean, you know, I don't know other than buying the popularity of Wilder what you exactly are buying there. But I think that if they're going to market it, they're probably going to market it to mainstream people that still fall for the bomb squad crap and, and just that he's a heavyweight and he's an imposing guy. And I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll, I'm sure they'll put out like a promo, you know, that'll be, you know, you know, him looking scary and a highlight reel package of knockouts, like they always do. And that'll draw the casual guy. But, you know, the discerning eye is like, yeah, the hell with that. And the shame of it is it actually has some intrigue that fight. You know, because yeah, I, I, I actually like think Salinas a has a shot in the fight. Yeah, the fight itself—it's a shame. It's like, like I'm I'm on the I'm in the Glazier camp if I'm not paying for that. But there is intrigue to the fight. It's weird, but I'm not. But it's not going to break me. You know that. You know, like I said before, the really the reason why pay per view exists, and and why I've never understood. When they and why they eventually went back to what I was right. Remember they remember they they actually made promos. If you remember this of Canelo leaving pay per view. Actually, they actually had like a commercial. I think right, right. was in it where mm-hmm. it, where he was like, no more pay per view, no more pay per view. You know, and, right, right, right. and and I was like, well, you want to get the number one pay per view fighter in the world and take him off pay per view. That makes logical sense. And what was really weird about that is that the marketing thing or the people. The people that would, you know, were trying to tell me, oh no, no, no. What, what, the reason why they're doing that is because, you know, you can save money by, you know, just getting a subscription, and, you know, uh, you know, I, I think at the time it was like ten bucks a month or something. So for like 120 bucks a year, you, you know, if he fights three times, you're going to save 200 dollars because his pay-per-views are 100 bucks a throw. I'm like, yeah, that all sounds logical, except for. No one plans that. Pay-per-view is impulse buy. You know, it's like someone right. planning to go to the supermarket and buy, like, the National Enquirer or those weird magazines that have, like, Bat Boy and, you know, and Woman with Three Heads and stuff in the, in the aisle. You know, those are impulse buys. You know, you know, like, how many times have you found yourself over the years, back, when, back in the day when it was just cable? Like, I'm not getting that. That's too high. $50 now. Oh, my God. And then, you know, you get to like, you know, five hours before the fight. It's like, ah, oh, come on, come over and we'll get a pizza and we'll, we'll chip in. You know, right. it, it always goes that way. You know, so that, you know, that's what, you know, that's the, 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 the staying power of pay-per-view is that, you know, that you will get impulse buys. I just don't know. It's like a we- that, that fight in particular is a weird mix of possibly good fight combined that, that could be an upset. I actually like Alina's fight mixed with the fact that you're having hardcores by, you know, just going, you know, holding their nose at it. Like I said, because it's heavyweight, you might get mainstream people. Right. Right. I mean, for me, I mean, that, that was a time where I bought everything. It wasn't even a question that uh, TV KO right. back in the day. Now I'm very, I, I haven't bought a pay-per-view in, in quite a while. I, I'm just like, uh, you got to give me Crawford Spence. I, I'm, I'm there. I'll buy it, but not much else these days. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, I, I'm with I, you. I, and it's like, uh, you know, and again, I, I don't have any problem watching this fight after the fact. And, you know, it has that intrigue, right? Because people know, people know enough to know that this fight could either end with Wilder winning by a scary knockout or getting beat up 
right? I, I'm with you, and you know, I'm a Wilder guy. I, I, I like Hellenius in this fight too, but I, I don't need to see it that badly. And my rule is, if there's something else on that I don't have to pay for, case closed. And that's the case, you know, Haney uh, Cambosis might might not be the greatest fight, but the case closed. I mean, I, I don't need to deal with it. But uh, yeah, a- anything else you want to add about that before we go on to the uh, Hall of Fame ballots? Uh, well, you mentioned Haney and Cambosis. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to discuss that, but you know, the shame of it is, is when you, I heard, you know, listening to your intro, that I agree with all that, that like, hey, it's, you know, even though we will have to endure Cassatur and we, you know, uh, talking about, you know, six fights down the road and screaming into the microphone and, uh-huh. and Kriegel, uh-huh. who will be telling you about his, you know, uh, about the, uh, about Composis's uh, niece who's allergic to shellfish and how he's had to struggle with it. Uh, and, you know, and, and you're right. It will, it will, it will probably be girls softball or, uh, or, or, or uh, what's that uh, that stuff where they throw the bean bags through the holes? Uh, 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 <laughs> I can't even think of the name of it now. Cornhole. If I like the Corn- cornhole championship, so we'll, <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, we'll yeah. make the fight start 25 minutes late. Um, but you know, despite that, I think you're right that that it's a good thing that it's on it's on free quote unquote TV, and that would seem it, it you know it's living up to a contract, which is refreshing. The only kind of like, kind of like wah wah part of it is that I think it's gonna be exact same fight. Right, right. <laughs> and there's a literally a replay of the fight of the first fight. Unless Haney totally is tanked in in training camp and is disinterested, uh, but uh, I don't think I don't think he would come in like that. He's got a lot. To, you know, he knows what could happen next in his fight, so I think he's gonna take it seriously. But overlooking. Uh, him because he won so easily the first time it could be a danger. I think that's what happened with Lopez when he fought Kim Bosis. Right, and, and they're vastly different guys too. I mean, you know, I I, I think that that Haney is one of a of a few guys that is sort of like these Mayweather 2.0 guys. You know that you know, and and I I've, I've actually tried to explain this to. Um, oh, but I, I don't know if you think we've had Michelle Rosado on on your show before. Which I, mean, I think we had a conversation regarding this. Is that you know the problem? Uh, I said to her one time is that you know when for me my hero was Alexis Arguello, and you know fighting but boxing a beautiful fight but finishing and also being a classy champion was the whole package. To this generation. Their hero is Mayweather, which is, you know, you know, maybe the greatest fighter in the last 25 years. Are, you, know, it's a, you know, it's hard to argue against that. But also a guy that is hard to like because, you know, personality, the, the take-no-chances style. You know, I mean, I've said, we've said for years, if the fight's boring, Mayweather was winning. Well, you don't think that a generation of kids that watched him over the last, you know, all these guys that have come along the pike now, Haney is the prototype, of, you know, typical example of that, is going to fight exactly the same way. I mean, if he sees any chance of, of Combosis making up ground on him or, 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 you know, or landing anything, he's going to get on the horse. He's not going to engage him. He's not, gonna, he's not Leonard with Duran in, in Montreal. That's not happening. 
Yeah, so, I mean, interesting to see, but I, I agree with that. I, I don't think we'll see much uh, difference, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll be there watching. So that, that that's it. Uh, you know, and not only are those pieces a lot of times hard to watch, uh, for some reason they, they, they feel the need to uh, show them like three or four times in a telecast. I mean, what's <laughs> that about? Uh, well, I mean, that and – and yeah, I think the other part of it, and it's not a personal thing because I've never met him or dealt with him, but I mean, the whole thing, Haney's father, I mean, I mean, besides the fact the human interest stories, I think are so played out. I think I've said this a while ago. I mean, we've already had the child soldier and, and Danny Jacobs recover from like spinal cancer. I don't know how you top that, you know, but they're always looking for human interest stories. I, I mean, I've said before, find me a guy that isn't the human interest story. It's like, like I, I'm waiting for them to do like, like the piece on Todd DeBuff, the guy that was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. It'll be refreshing, you know, it, instead of, instead of like the hard right, right, guy right. who, who grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, you know, he lived in a refrigerator box until he was 12. You know, there's always like, you know, I don't know what, you know, it, it's this, this need to be this Damon Runyon-esque storytelling, which like, it's actually, as far as I'm concerned, played out. And, you know, when they were talking to the father, obviously he's had the, you know, he's had the background where he went to prison. And then they're talking to him. And, like, I'm sorry. Like I said, he's, he's done a great job with his son. Right? But, I mean, they're talking to him like he's Angelo Dundee or Ray Arcel. Like, you know, have more than a track record of your son before they – I mean, the way that, that you know, the Kriegel talks to him and, and, like, hanging on his every word. Like, you know, he's like Yoda. Relax. <laughs> well, uh, Angelo Dundee and, and Ray Arcel certainly had absolutely no problem getting into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, so let's uh, let, let's talk about it. The, the ballots come out. I have the ballots in my house. It's, although I, did, I, did, I don't have a vote for the female fighters, and I can't tell you how broken up I am about that. But <laughs> I have for the, for the moderns, the old timers, the non participants, as well as the observers. So uh, let's start with the moderns. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Uh, you know, if you have a vote, you could vote for up to five. You could make five check marks on on the list. Uh, typically, the top three get in, but there's a little. Uh, little asterisk so to speak where i think it's if you if anybody gets 80 or 85 percent of the vote uh they could still get in so potentially you could get four uh guys to get in although i think it's very hard to get that much of a percentage uh but um with all that uh you know there's a lot of guys on here that i'm considering uh there's a few guys you know i gotta look at uh, I, I will reveal one vote because I, I said it a few years back when I didn't have a vote. If I had a vote, I would have voted for Chris John. It was his first year on the ballot. So obviously I'm still going to vote for Chris John. I still don't understand how he didn't get in yet. Hopefully this will be the year. But other than that, I'll tell you who I vote for off the air, of course. But I'm not going to reveal it publicly. But there are quite a few guys that I have to take a deep look at. There are a lot of guys I'm considering. What are your thoughts on the ballot? Uh, well, I agree with, with with Chris John all the way. I think we, I think I might have been on the air with you when you, when we talked about that. I, I think it was a no-brainer back when he first appeared on, on the uh, on the ballot. I mean, 
and yeah, I don't want to go down breaking down his career, but uh, I mean, beating a prime Marquez, I think, you know, I think solidified it. Plus, I mean, the, all the defenses, I, mean, I don't have the, unfortunately, I have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, the numbers are um, unreal. Uh, and, and I think it's important, uh, and I probably should, you know, do my homework more with some of the guys that are like the, you know, the junior fly and fly guys that are on the ballot, because some of these guys do have incredible, incredible careers. But I think it is important to have it to, to, you know, because it is the International Boxing Hall of Fame, to have an Asian presence, you know, at the, at, at the ceremony, in the hall. Uh, I think that gets too grossly ignored because, it's, it's, you know, it's American-based and New York-based. Um, and I think it's, a, you know, a, and if you would, and I'm not saying to put in a guy because he's Asian, obviously, but here's a, here's a great opportunity to put a, you know, clearly a guy that's deserving and being where he is from in the world and from Indonesia, you know, I, I think is, he should have been there three years, two, three years ago. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you, you said everything that I, that I have said. And uh, John is also one of those guys that, a clear example of how a false narrative can become reality in a lot of people's eyes. And you said it, beating uh, Marquez when Marquez was top of his line and he beat Marquez, but there's for a lot of guys, I don't know if you've ever heard, there's a false narrative that uh, maybe he didn't deserve the decision. Well, if you watch the fight, I, I, I don't know. Right, yeah. well, well, go, it's on YouTube. Deserved. Go watch it. Yeah. Right. It's part of those false narratives, uh, like the the one that drives me crazy is, you know, uh, Hagler lost the first four rounds uh, against Leonard. No, he didn't. He clearly won round three if he could buy a clue in the store, and uh, he did not lose the first four rounds. But those are the, like, the, the, the narratives that uh, somehow become fact in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, right, yeah, true, and then obviously, you know, some we've discussed this before. Some of the Ali fights, some of the Larry Holmes fights. Right, you know, right, I'm right. not. I, I mean, I've, obviously, those guys are all-time great fighters and Hall of Famers. But I mean, this this sort of glossing over of their careers, like you know, and you know, obviously, I, I've told you before, I'm I'm not the hugest fan of either one. Uh, right. You know, and, and, and not not because of this, but but. You know, there were fights in their careers that I thought they clearly lost. Uh, you know, obviously Jimmy Young with Ali, uh, uh, mm-hmm. definitely the third fight with Norton. Uh, course, uh, yeah. Holmes, I'm, Holmes, Truth Williams is a disgrace. You know, of so, course, I mean, yes. you know, so, I mean, like, you know, to have this thing of, like, these were unbeatable guys that, you know, just were, like, you know, uh, giants um, you know, amongst uh, – uh, you know, uh, amongst uh, like uh, the bum of the month club, it's just it's a, like you said, it's a false narrative. Right, it, it drives me crazy. Yeah, that, that Holmes truth is a good one. I want, I can't tell you how many people who who I know are, are real boxing fans say, yeah, well, Holmes rallied at the end. It makes me want to put my head through a friggin' wall. He, he's lucky <laughs> if he won five rounds of that fight. What what who got to rally? I don't understand. I don't understand it. <laughs> And going back to John, if if a voter doesn't take the time to do the research and clings on to that narrative where, well, his best win was questionable, they're not going to vote for him, and it's a disgrace. 
Well, yeah, and I think, which we're probably going to get to, is that I think, unfortunately, that is very likely to happen because you're going to get people that absolutely, without hesitation, going to punch the ticket for Bradley. And, I mean, I don't know, I mean, unless you just rolled off every guy on the list, if he would be in my five, he's not my three. So, you know, I guess, I I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are people like, they're going to look down a list. I mean, they're certainly not going to, you know, look at any of the, you know, really obscure Asian guys that, you know, or, 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 you know, some of the, even some of the European guys in that list, you know, they're going to go right to Bradley because he's on TV every day and he's, you know, he's, He's a popular champion, and they're just going to punch that ticket. And I think the guy that gets hurt, gets hurt by that, unfortunately, is a Chris John. Right. And that's right. too bad. Yeah, I mean, I I could tell you at least eight people that I would consider over Bradley. Bradley's not one of the guys I'm I'm going to look at everybody, but he's not one of the guys I'm really considering taping a deep look at. I, I can name at least eight guys without even doing anything that I would consider before him. Uh, so so, this, so there you go. But yeah, I think you're right. I think popularity. Although I thought that was going to be the case with Hatton, and he is yet to get it. So maybe not. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, and no, it's funny if you actually pick apart both their careers, which you know is not necessarily fair. But if you do break down like you know each one of their fights as you go along, you realize that like and, and mind you, uh, I'm more familiar with Bradley than I am. But Hatton, as far as having actual experience, I actually did Bradley's first television fight. Um, but, you know, going by the, the – to me, it's like if you struggle and it, with guys that you should not be struggling with. Like, like I remember when people were talking about the war that he had with Pavetnikov. I was like, yeah, he's struggling with Pavetnikov. He uh, um, was the other one that, that, that he almost got knocked out with seconds left in the fight. Um, Slipped out of my head, my head now the the fighter, but but the, my point is is that yeah, the dominant fighters you know all time great fighters don't struggle with that level of guy, and these are guys that are they're a, a, a full notch below you. You, you know you should be dominating these guys. When you struggle with those guys, tell it. You know now he's I mean now he's had solid wins too, fights that were supposed to be. Uh, you know, uh, uh, close, and they weren't. You know, uh, you know, and and then of course the the big one is obviously that that he has the win over Pacquiao, which I mean, who really believes he won that fight? Exactly. Yes. Uh, was it Jesse Vargas? Was that the one he? Jesse Vargas. Yeah, I'm like sorry. Was. I was I was like blanking on Jesse Vargas' name. Yeah. So yeah, and um, Jesse I mean, Vargas yeah, had him yeah. out on his feet. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, so I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say now, because I'm going to give everybody a fair shake. Other, you know, John's the only no-brainer check mark for me at the moment. Another guy that is interested in that I believe is his first year on the ballot, and again, first thoughts, I don't think so, but I want to give him the right justice is Michael Nunn, and I'm seeing a lot on social media that Michael Nunn deserves it. Uh, at the, at the, on the cover, without really going too deep, I don't think so. What are your thoughts on Michael Nunn? 
Uh, well, I think I said this to you off air. Michael Nunn is a really hard guy to like. I mean, have you ever met him? And then, you know, act, just a persona he gave off when he was you know, during his career, you know, moody, unapproachable. I mean, I think, unfortunately, there's just some guys who aren't good on television and don't I give good interviews. About Mike, I think you're talking about Michael Mora. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael Nunn. I'm sorry. Michael uh, Nunn. Uh, I didn't know that of you Nunn, know, but I, I don't, it could be right. But uh, no, no, Michael no, Moore I, I, I'm sorry. I thought, you, I thought you said Michael Moore. Right? Um, uh, Michael Nunn, you, you know, I think the problem with Michael Nunn is that he's more of what could have been than what actually happened. You know, I mean, he was so exactly. targeted to be like the the next Leonard. I mean, which is you know kind of unfair to him. And you know, you shouldn't judge by guys by potential. I kind of hate when getting back to right. Tessator, how he's like such potential. Like we're right, screaming right. about potential now. But I mean, they really did have Michael Nunn kind of up on a perch, and. You know, it's kind of a weird thing. Like you said, like, well, what about when he knocked out Sambu Kalambe in one round? It's like, yeah, and they fought ten times that's after it. that. That would have never have happened. You know, and that's, his um, big, that's his big blast, right? I mean, uh, what's his right. other big wins? Yeah. Uh, beating Curry long in the tooth? I mean, it's just not there They're, looking at it. Yeah, it's it's really not there. Uh, Frank Tate? I mean... There, there, there really isn't like a standout signature win, and you know, and then he gets beat by a guy who, you know, who is a, a Hall of Famer in, in, in Tony, right. you know, right, and then right. disappears, you know. Uh, um, so I mean, I mean, he didn't disappear, disappear. He moved up in weight, and, yeah, and he, actually, he I think really he captured super middleweight belt. Yeah, but it wasn't right. I mean, I mean he, fight guys like Randall Yawker and, and John Scully. Good fighters, Cordova, not, not Cordova. Yeah, not, not getting it, yeah, not getting in the Hall of Fame. Sorry. Yeah, so like, I mean, put it this way: he he's a guy that's worth consideration, but I would I would put him in a in a, in a top five. And, and and if we I mean, actually want to talk about more, would seem you know where I think I was going with that is that right is that right I I think his personality was so grating and, and that's unfortunate because some people just make for bad interviews or kind of give off a bad vibe. Um, that, you know, and I know it's not a personality contest. It's just that like, you know, the guy could have been, if he would have stayed at certain weights or ever gone to cruiser weights, maybe been an all time great. Cause I mean, if you remember how, you know, he seemed like completely unbeatable at light heavyweight and then moved up. Oh yeah, and nobody wanted to fight and, him. And, and and you know moved up before he really got challenged at, against any real names at that weight, probably because he just couldn't make the weight anymore. Goes up to heavy and you know fights some you know some some really great you know, some really interesting fights, some really good fights. You know, right. I mean his his fight with with Cooper's a classic. Um, you know I hate to say it, but losing the Foreman fight, as much as I think that. I agree with Michael Moore. If you remember his interview from Legendary Night, he got talking right, rough. Right. Yeah, and I yeah. agree with that. I think he totally did. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's like, he's, you know, he's like the Bill Buckner of, uh, of boxing. Great right, career. Right. All you remember is, those, is the ball going through his legs. You know, which in, all you really remember about Michael Moore is getting laid out by Foreman. 
Right, and all I remember about Michael Nunn is getting laid out by Tony, and the, the big difference, I think, and again, false narrative, a lot of people think Nunn was way ahead in this fight. I don't remember the official scorecards, but I, I didn't think Nunn was winning that fight. If anything, it was close, but Mora was winning like every second before he got knocked out by Foreman. So, that, so, so there's right. that as well. But uh, I don't want to get into, uh, we'll, we'll obviously, uh, you know, come back on and uh, talk about uh, more because we're not going to have time. I got Tony Lewis coming on, even though we still have some time. I don't think we're going to have time to get to to everything. But uh, before I ask you any other questions, if you want to, if you want to play or if I had a vote uh, for the air, if you had a vote, you know, who, who do you want? Who would you vote for if that? If you want to reveal that, if not, that's okay. We could, Talk about how how uh, the Phillies are doing right now instead. I, I don't know <laughs> what the score is. Uh, what's in? I know I've obviously said John already, but probably another guy that that I would uh, I would say. I mean, if we could talk about non-participants, and I would, you know, and if that's the case, I would. And actually, the guy I'm going to say is the fighter. Kind of hooks into the non-participants, but uh, I'll say this, and these are. These are contemporaries of mine. I would absolutely, if I had a vote, uh, vote for them, which would be Brad Goodman and Cameron Duncan. There's been probably no more dominant manager in the last 20 years than Cameron Duncan. He even currently has Boots Ennis and Brandon Lee. And he's had, I mean, the who's who, Kelly Pavlik, uh, you know, the Garcias. I mean, just it, it's a who's who of pretty much top rank and Gary Shaw's lineup. I mean, I personally dealt with, with Cameron a lot when I was with Gary Shaw. I mean, he, at one time he literally had like two thirds of the roster at, at Shaw. So, I mean, probably one of the most dominant managers of the last, of the last 20 years. And I mean, look, I can, me and Brad have bumped heads a lot of times, but I mean, there's no denying that he's the top dog matchmaker in the business and has been for some time. And I think they're no brainer votes. Um, and the last non-participant that I would pick actually hooks into one of the fighters on the ballot that I do not think is going to get in, and I think it's a real shame, and that's Corrales. Because Corrales should get in in the same reason why, or the, or the same rationale that Matthew Sabahamid and Gotti got in, and, yeah. Rock, and Rocky Graziano got in. Quality of bouts. And, and, you know, obviously the the, the the high point of that is the greatest fight I've ever seen live and probably the greatest fight in the last 25 years, which is Corrales and Steel. And I've always said this, how can you have the last, the, the, the greatest fight in the last 25 years and the guy who won it and the chief second, not the, in the hall of fame. And that's, and that's Joe Goosen. And that's right, who else right. I would vote for. Yeah, well, speaking of the non-participants, and I, I won't reveal who I am going to vote for, uh, but I will reveal who I would rather bikes in my eyeballs than check their name, and I don't understand why they're on. Guys like Dave Moretti and <laughs> Tony Perez. I mean, Dave Moretti, the guy that couldn't score Fennec Nelson won the right way as a Hall of Famer. What am I missing? How? And I know people that said they voted for Dave Moretti. It just drives me crazy. Am I wrong about Dave Moretti? 
Should I give him a shot? Uh, no, you're not, and I wouldn't vote for Dave Moretti. But I think what that's coming down to is, you know, and you see this sometimes in baseball. Like a guy's around so friggin' long that he has these, like, insane numbers. I mean, Eddie Murray was a great player. But, you know, when you play, like, 22 years, you better have some good numbers. That, that type of thing. And, you know, I think Moretti's been around so long that he has, like, a – Sort of a, uh, you know, remember all these guys have people politicking for them. And I know that for a fact. I mean, I remember Kelt directly politicking, I mean, rightfully so, for like Bob Montgomery to go into the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, like certain guys will campaign to get people in. And I I would not be surprised there is some sort of, you know, politicking or lobbying for a guy like Moretti. I think the more shocking one is Tony Perez. No, you think Tony Perez yeah, is a bad referee? He's a, oh a good referee. I mean, I mean, it's no. it's it, you know you can you can cherry pick different scorecards of Moretti, just like Howard Lederman, uh, right. who I think is equally as bad. But right, with the, right. you know, they you do so. You got to remember, these guys do so much judging that it's like, well, okay, he might have some bad scores, but you know, you're judging him by his World Series and. You know, really, it's the, you know, these guys do nine fight cards and they're all night. You know, right, right. I think the difference, and, and you could make the same argument for referees as well, obviously. I mean, that's why Frank Cappuccino is, is, is on the ballot. I mean, God, I mean, how many fights do you think Frank Cappuccino referees? 5,000, oh, yeah. 6,000 yeah. easily? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so it becomes more of like a, like a grandfathered thing. You know, I'm sure Tony Perez has a huge number too. I think the only problem or the difference between Cappuccino and Perez is that Perez's bad ones really stick out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, uh, you know, for the, for the five people that read my book, uh, you know, I lambasted I, I, I <laughs> him in there, too. So, but, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of judges on the ballot, uh, which is not surprising. Trainers, matchmakers, as you mentioned, uh and here's one guy who I I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I was surprised this isn't already in because I thought he was uh, your guy, Ed Darian. He, he's on the ballot, and uh, I thought he was in already. A- any chance he gets in? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I would vote for Ed, um, but I, I mean, I I would say maybe I don't know because I think that that unfortunately not a lot of people know him because you know Ed. I mean, it's been dead probably over 10 years now and would seem, you know, wasn't really active in the last few years of his life, you know, and, and, we, and when, and, you know, and did mostly local later on, you know, he obviously he did the garden and some big fights in the seventies and eighties, but he really became kind of a local blue horizon guy kind of working almost exclusively for pelts down the stretch. So, Maybe a lot of guys don't know him. I, you know, the the reason why I would vote for him, obviously, it's you know, it's personal reasons because I I grew right. up with Ed, but but also because I think that you know, like, you see some guys doing doing uh, uh, doing announcing. Actually, I'm I'm friends with Dean Stone. I don't know if you remember Dean Stone. He also went by Dean Calabrese before that. Yes, and yes, yes. It was a ring announcer. He's, he's done mostly MMA stuff recently, but he's he did his share of boxing as well and. You know, he he actually called me recently, and we 
he, you know, he's, he's of course like loves guys that, you know, he's a buffer fan. I'm not, you know, he, but he loves Lennon as well, but he also can appreciate guys like, like Darian because they put their own personal mark. And, and what makes you appreciate Darian more is when you see, which we love to talk about bad announcers, you know, uh, the guy that now has taken over for the, doing the top rank shows, you know, uh, what's his name? Chicote uh, Ch- 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 or uh, uh, Chinook, uh, I think his name is. But they, right. He Something sounds like that, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah he's, I, I say he, he sounds to me like the DJ in the strip club. I'm, I'm expecting him to yell over the microphone like, Amber, please report to the champagne room. You know, <laughs> and, and he has maybe the worst catchphrase. And I've heard some really bad ones over the years. I've seen some good ones, too. There was a guy out in... Sacramento used to used to yell "Man, your battle stations," which I used to like, but uh, but he's got just the, just the worst. He just yells, "Oh baby," which I don't know what that means. It's just it's just bizarre, and that kind. I mean, and I'm, I'm not not I don't have a personal thing against that guy, but when you hear a guy like him, it makes you appreciate Ed more because right. you know, Ed had all these unique phrasing. You know, in fact. That same guy, Dean Stone, uh, uh, like will like uh, I'll I'll text that to Jim and I'll go, and I'll say like it could be anything like if uh, like it, it, like uh, when he used to come over to 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 he he came over for Thanksgiving at my house one time and I went I've got the the turkey with the dressing and here it is you know <laughs> which is obviously a uh, an Ed reference you know Ed had that unique phrasing of of uh, you know, either that would be his his call for the result. I've got the scorecards, and here, I've got the scores, and here it is. Or, uh, or my favorite, this young man. He could be introducing Archie right, Moore. Right. It'd be this young man. This, uh, that unique phrasing that he had, and this, you know, this specificity to his voice. This was perfect. Right, right. Now I'm trying to picture. Like I know the name Dean Stone, and the picture I have in my head of Dean Stone, it kind of looks like you know, the guy from uh, Army of Darkness. Is it the same guy? <laughs> oh, well, you talking about Campbell, Bruce Campbell? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they kinda, I, I think like, a little thinner, and he's going, he's going, he's going gray from from the last time I saw him. He's more silvery hair now, right, right. But and and thinner, more of a. I I, right. I I I I I I've said that Dean's like an even thinner Michael Buffer if that was possible. Right. <laughs> so uh, next time we we have you on, Zach, we'll talk about the uh, old timers and the observers. We still have some time uh, before Tony gets on. I'm gonna have to go. To re- have to go re- that, that's a research project you just gave me. <laughs> but I want to stick with uh, the. Uh, the, the the names uh for the moderns for a minute and i wanted to go back and tell me what you think of this uh, you know Mora has that reputation and it's well deserved based on everything that people have told me that's been around him but a couple of years back when he was at the boxing hall of fame when atlas came in he, he was a sweetheart he was taking pictures signing autographs friendly uh he still had that mean face, the mean demeanor, but if you went up to him, he, he was pretty friendly, and he took the time to sign and take pictures and all of that. Do you think he was lobbying to get in? Uh, no, I think that 
that, that it's probably that that you know like no nobody's all bad and no one's all I mean like trust me I've met some guys they're like no no he's he's a bad guy or he's a frightening guy Oliver McCall comes to mind is like I never want to lock lock eyes with him but which in you know for the most part you know these guys have personas that you know I I think misrepresent them I mean you know you could say the same thing about Tyson and then you meet him and if anything he's kind of quiet and shy and and I've never seen Tyson turn down an you know an autograph unless he was being like rushed out of the room or something so you know uh, that doesn't shock me at all but like I said you know and, and like I said earlier that you know some people just don't interview well or don't take fame very well you know it's difficult and I mean you know not, not everybody's cut out to be you know it's a burden to be champion it's a burden to be on TV, people go, oh, well, wah, wah, you know, like, you know, like, you know, cry, you know, cry me a river. But, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Sometimes it's more pressure than performing. You know, performing, they, these guys all know how to fight. But sometimes it's like, the, you notice how it's just like, it's such a struggle, the interview, because it's like they, they're, they're, it's not because of like lack of education or, 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 or not being able to speak. It's just a matter of like, you know, they, you know, they, they're there to fight. They, you know, they're not there to necessarily be their own their own pitch man. And, and right. unfortunately, if you're not that guy too now, you met your bad television. You know, the 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 years of uh, uh, you know years ago, the you know the the idea of the guy's just a killer, and I don't I don't care if he he knows how to speak, are gone. Now you have to you know you have to you know you have to be a social media guy. You know, it, it's a there's a lot of burden on guys. You know, and I, I want to meet that Mike Tyson because uh, every time I've been around Mike Tyson, he wouldn't sign. So I, I want that really? version of Mike Tyson. Yeah, at the Hall of Fame and a couple. I must. I, I mean, must have been very fortunate. You've gotten lucky. I mean, it's only two two different places, but he he wasn't he wasn't very welcome in both times I was around him. But you know, well, you can get them, you can get bombarded there too. I mean, you know, one thing bad about the Hall of Fame is that you know you got you've got like a hundred people coming at it at you instead of like one or two. Right. Right. So I, I, I guess I'll have to wait for that day. Now, the last thing I wanted <laughs> to talk to you about, and I made this point and I, I made this point with our friend Glazer too, and uh, Rocky Lockridge. Right. And I, I, one of the guys I would have voted for back then was Rocky Lockridge. And I said, and, and the reason was, you know, you know a lot of exciting fights, great fights, and, and so many fights that you probably got jerked in, right? Big fights, uh, at least two or three. And if those fights were scored the right way, I don't think there would be any doubt he's a Hall of Famer. So why can't we take the scorecards out of the hands uh, of the you know the judges that really screwed up and, and give this guy his due? Uh, nobody's really agreed with me that I've talked about that. They say, hey, that's a good point, but... You know, Glazer didn't they think so because of the way he turned out. He's like, why would you want a guy like that at the Hall of Fame? Which I don't think has anything to do with how you should vote. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, as far as his, you know, I don't know what he's referencing. You know, unfortunate, what, what, you know, how Rocky ended his life. Um, I don't think that has, should have anything to do with it. Uh, I look at Lockridge as a guy like right on the, you know, you know, you, you talk about a guy right on the bubble. And weirdly, even though there's a guy that I didn't enjoy his career 
as much as Lockridge, but I think it's also teetering right on the bubble, weirdly enough, is Pazienza. I think that I, I think weirdly they're on the same in the same spot because Lockridge has huge wins, knocking out you know Roger Mayweather, which him you know he, he he was a very solid guy in a very tough era, who made for very exciting fights. He problem is he doesn't have a lot of defenses. He doesn't have multiple belts. You know he wasn't a unified champ. He was just a very solid guy in a very tough era, and like you said, may have may have got a little jerked around by the judges. Whereas Paz is like the flip of him. Here's a guy that had tons of fights. Would say, you know, getting 50 wins is significant, albeit that some of them are against Tucker Pudwell, right? and would say. In winning two belts, albeit against your boy Haugen and Gilbert DeLee isn't exactly uh, Fulmer and Robinson, but it's significant, especially considering one's at light and one's at junior middle. Right? And the one commonality, exciting bouts. So it's like, you know, like, huh, you know, when you really think about it, a guy that you would never consider, because like, ah, he's a little bit of a hot dog baloney fighter. But then you think about his career, and you go, you know, he actually does have the numbers. He does have the credentials. You have to like take a second look. It's the same thing with Lockridge, with the exception of, yeah, I've been saying for years that I think the the no-brainer sort of like, you know, 500 home run club and you're in type of thing, you know, with baseball. I think with boxing, I think there is some, like, little nuances, like if you're Saab Muhammad, if you're Gotti, you, you fight these in, insane fights, you get it. But I think really the, the you know, the, the sort of uh, milestone, you know, lock you type of, uh, type of uh, numbers are, like, 10 or more defenses, winning belts in more than one weight class, unifying, those type of things are the credentials that get you locked in. You know, that, you know when, when, if you can get, you know, 10, 12 defenses, you pretty much put yourself in a position where you can't be denied. You go up and wait and win multiple belts in multiple divisions, it, 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 it makes your stock go higher as far as within this class of Hall of Fame. You know, what's holding Rocky down is that he stayed in one weight class and he didn't have a long reign. That's killing him. What's keeping him alive is what you're saying about the, about the decisions, and that he was excited, that he was fun, you know, and that, you know that's keeping him in it, uh, you know, you know, we're, and why I'm making a comparison with Paz is that Paz is that guy too, exciting in his own right, and has all those other little, you know, sort of, um, I mean, he doesn't have ten defenses or anything, but he has those other little requirements that kind of nudge you closer to being inducted. Indeed. All right. We've got a lot of good stuff to, to soak in, and uh, we'll, we'll pick it up again the next time around. Uh, just a little sneak preview uh, for the, the old-timers ballot. Uh, a, a lot of intriguing names that uh, boxing fans are going to know, voters are going to know. Uh, a lot of people are saying, why aren't they in already? Uh, I'm not sure about a lot of them. I'll, I'll send you over the ballot if you don't have a copy of this one. But here's some of the names. Joey Archer, Alfredo Escalera, Esteban De Jesus, Marvin Johnson, Eddie Mustafa Mohammed, Rodrigo Valdez. 
uh, and many more, but those are the ones that stood out for me as guys that uh, some people might think are already in. We'll talk about that next show. Just a little sneak preview so you could uh, you know, know what to expect. But uh, Zach Familio, thank you for coming on. If you want to stay on with Tony, that's great. Otherwise, what do you want to say in closing? What do you got going on for yourself in the world of boxing? Um, well, with them, I'm probably going to get back to the Phillies now. I'm sorry, but the, uh, I'm in the playoffs here. Uh, well, what's in my? Uh, I I just got finished doing a show with uh, Manny Rivera, which I don't know if you're going to have on your show. I, I, we talked about it. A promoter out of Philadelphia who does right, a, yeah. a show at the Fillmore. Um, he he's looking to do something maybe in November or December. Um, I, I at this point because we're not you know we're not signed with each other. It's going to be you know kind of up in the air of you know you know how you know what we do next. Um, I'm working on a project which you know of course like all these seek top secret uh, you know missions. I've been sworn to secrecy and I'm sure I'll give you the scoop when I'm allowed to speak about it. Um, you know, as in my experience, every super secret when it finally gets revealed, people go, "Oh, that's the secret." That's it. So <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, like whoop de doo. Uh, but, uh, but this one is pretty good. This one's pretty good. Uh, like I said, then the, you know, other than that, I, the only other thing that I've been doing other than work my regular gig is uh, I, I've been actually dabbling in your direction. I've been doing a little writing. And I think oh. I think I've been inspired. I think you inspire you 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 and Pelts inspired me. <laughs> Wow, I'd love to hear more about that off the air. And anytime you want to, well, come everybody on tells me I should write a book, so you never know. There you go. You you definitely have a a great book. I mean, who? who I mean, you've dealt with guys like Mayweather, and uh, you know who's who. I mean, uh, let's go. What oh, are we yeah. waiting for? <laughs> so, uh, are we going to have a repeat of 2009 uh, going back to baseball before you get out of here? Uh, you made 2008 for the Phillies? No, 2009. Oh, you mean the Yankees? Oh, oh you're oh, you're being cute. Oh. <laughs> I'm just asking. It's, it's possible. It, it can't it's, be a it's, complete it's repeat of 2008. Hey, look, you, could, you could you you could ride that. You could ride 62 home runs all the way all the way out. You just uh, yeah. I think we both agree. We, someone has to take out the Dodgers. Yeah, that, that, I don't think it's going to be the Padres. It might have to be your your guys or the Braves if they prevail. But we we can't have right. a com- carbon copy of 2008 because the Rays are gone. It could only be 2009. Well, <laughs> right. Well, you could you could wind up having a carbon copy of the 77 World Series. That works out for you. I'll take that and the outcome. It'll be <laughs> a lot more fun for us if it's 2000 if it's the Phillies again. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. All right, Zach, thank you for coming on. Look forward to it again, and uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Uh, You too. All right, take care. All right, so we're going to get Mr. Tony Lightning Lewis on right after this. We're going to take a break, and hopefully we'll get Tony on right away.
Hey, Jeff Fennick here, three-time boxing champion of the world. You're listening to Zoot's Boxing Talk. Don't miss this show. It's a great show. All righty. Welcome back to Zoot's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. Thank you again, uh, Zach Familio, for coming on. If you're a fan of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Zoot's Boxing Talk. Uh, if you want to check out the book that inspired Zach, well, one of the books inspired Zach, Tough Man, the Greg Haugen story, the book that I wrote, you can check it out on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, pretty much any any website that sells books, they might have it, so check it out. Uh, right now, our, our next guest is a professional fighter who I now think is officially retired. Well, ask him as he comes on. One guy who's been on this show in the past, a guy who has, I've loved to watch and really loved speaking to. Uh, his record as it stands now is 29-6 and six with 10 wins by knockout. And uh, all the way from Canada, Mr. Tony Lightning Lewis. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. Good to talk to you again. Yes, yes. It's been a while, but... Uh... We pick right up on it, right? Uh, first of all, let's start. Are you officially retired? Is that is that uh, where we're at now? I am. I held a press conference in my hometown uh, a couple months ago, and uh, prepared a statement and uh, and took questions afterwards. You know, we had, we had a good turnout. Maybe maybe fifty, sixty people came out uh, along the uh, the front steps of our local arena, and I uh, I kind of did a recap of my. My childhood, how I found the sport, and my career milestones, and my my, my family, and everything as, as things moved along, and how I juggled that with work over the years, and maintaining a world class training regimen uh, throughout it all, and just and and how and why it came, I decided to uh, to to bring it to a close now. All righty, well, congratulations on that, and uh, I have to ask, is this? Uh, retirement more in keeping with Marvelous Margaret Hagler and Rocky Marciano, or is it the Ray Leonard type of retirement? <laughs> well, the th- <laughs> well, the thing is, is like the Ray Leonard type of retirement. Like Ray Leonard never said that uh, every time he retired, he he said it was for good, right? So I, <laughs> I, uh, and I'm sure he believed it at the time that he said it, you know. But uh, as of right now, I'd like to say that I'm going to lean more towards. The route Hagler took and Marciano took, um, you know, I uh, I've just uh, I'm satisfied with uh, with what I was able to achieve in my career, especially coming from a small town where I did lack some of the resources some of these other uh, big city guys had, and I still made it and got to c- compete amongst with some of the best in the world anyway, and uh, and, and and did it my way, and um, uh, I, I just. Um, but I just I've reached a point in my career where I know I've 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 slowed down just enough to where uh, I don't want to allow myself to reach a point where I'm being used as a stepping stone uh, with guys that I know uh, wouldn't carry my dog shop a few years ago. You know uh, I don't want to do that to myself and disrespect myself and the sport and all the work I uh, put into it. Uh, you know my whole life. So um, it's uh, and, and also just. I've noticed over the last, let's say, two three years, training was becoming more and more of a grind for me. Where like I was always, a, I was always a tireless worker and a workhorse in the gym, and uh, always, 
you know, I, I, I backed up my talent with work ethic, but it, it was getting to be a chore in the last two, three years, whereas I was doing it because I had to do it. And, like, when you lose that desire to train and then you you feel your, your punch resistance is starting to wane a little bit too and your ability to recover and, and, it just, uh, and more injuries start piling up and, like, you know, and, and all those things that happened to me in the, in the last two, three years, like, more injuries, it was getting it was getting harder to get up to train and uh, uh, mentally and everything. When, when that goes and the, the fire is not burning as bright, you know what? It's that's when guys get hurt. So uh, I'm uh, I'm sad in a way. You know, it's bittersweet for me. Uh, uh, you know, I um, didn't want it's, but I can also appreciate how far I came and what I did and look back on it and, uh, and, 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 and cherish those memories, you know, and give something, kids something to talk about when they're older, you know? Indeed. And you certainly have done that such a, a joy to watch. And, uh, you know, thank you for doing, uh, for risking your life, putting it all on the line for, for entertainment for guys like me, for so many of us, who never did it ourselves and, and do appreciate it. So I wanted to thank you uh, for that, Tony. Thank you so much, Anthony. That means, that means a lot. You're one of the good ones. You're one of the real ones. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now uh, you, you had the two fights in 2022. Uh, what are the thoughts of retirement happening on your last fight? How long were Hold you on. Like, playing with the idea? Can you repeat? Can you repeat that question, Anthony? Yes, uh, you fought twice in 2022. Were you thinking about retirement prior to that? Did it happen right after your last fight? When when did the moment come where you started thinking about? Uh, all right, now this is the time to go. I was actually thinking about it two years ago, uh, uh, before the Barbosa fight. Uh, in the summer of 2020, uh, I told myself, you know, at the time I was 32, and I had been on a good run. I had been on a five-year stretch where I'd, I'd gone undefeated in uh, in about 10 or 12 fights, and I picked up another uh, a couple more regional belts, and uh, and was still rated amongst the top 10 or 15 in the world. And I, I've been looking to get another crack at uh, at a shot on the big stage against stateside. And so when the Barboza opportunity came up, I told myself. I'm going to pull my heart and soul into training and give it everything I got. And if I, if I, if I pull off the win bonus and we, we keep, we keep moving forward. And, uh, and if I don't call it a day and pack it in, because if I can't, if I can't reach the state, if I can't maintain a level where, where I can still have an opportunity or a chance to compete amongst the elite, then what's the point, you know? Uh, but what happened was I told my rib, about two, three weeks before the fight in camp. I was just, uh, I had missed time to sequence on the punch mitts in a training session, and uh, I overextended a muscle uh, going, for, going for a shot on the mitts and uh, ended, up, ended up tearing my rib. I didn't realize it was torn at the time, but I knew it was messed up and I was hurt. So what I did the last two, three weeks of that camp was I had modified my, my training routine Basically, I had to cut out all the impact stuff for two, three weeks before the fight. So no heavy bag, no sparring. Uh, I modified some of my strength regimen. I was able to complete some of the strength and conditioning stuff I had, but some stuff, any rotational work, because it's a rib, 
any rotational work, uh, especially with uh, involving impact, I couldn't do that well. So I mitigated and babied as much as I can and like home remedies, you know, heat and ice and whatever else, and seeing, seeing a, a physiotherapist and, and deep tissue massage and everything. And when I got to Vegas the week of the fight, I, I kept, it was getting better. It was getting better to where like I can start doing some mitts now and I can, I figure, okay, even if I'm like at 75, 80% of my capacity with my experience and my conditioning, it'll carry the rest. Arrogant of me to think that. And, but what happened was, you know, when you get in the ring, opponent doesn't accommodate you. He's not going to do what you want him to do. Right. So I basically, at one point in the second round, I went for a hook to the body as he was pivoting and I just missed. And I basically overextend, pulled it the same way I did in training mm. and it was mm-hmm. back all over again. Where like by the, Midway point of the fight, I was operating at at probably 25% capacity because I just couldn't I couldn't rotate and turn over my shots, you know. Right. Um, mm. So so I told myself, okay, well, I can't go out like that because I don't know. There's too many what ifs there because who knows where that fight, what direction that fight could have took if I was at my best, you know. So obviously, when I got home after the fight, I had the quarantine because it was COVID, and I went for ultrasounds. And uh, they they diagnosed that it was a torn rib, and pretty much all that all you do with the rib is is just time and rest. That's it. You know you can do things to mitigate the symptoms and alleviate some pain, but it's really just time and rest. So it took me a couple few months to get back in the gym full swing again. And so then after that, I said, okay, I need one more one more shot, you know, to see where I'm at. This time have a healthy camp. And uh, and do my best to, to mitigate any injuries and uh, and let's see. And so the balls opportunity came. There was a couple of other failed attempts to make some fights happen. COVID restrictions kind of sabotaged them. But then finally we were able to make a deal materialize with uh, John Bowser last March. And uh, you know, I I wanted a ten rounder. We got an eight, and I, I thought I was carrying the fight. I I thought I did enough to to get a win or at least get a draw. So I wasn't satisfied going out like that either because I thought I got a raw deal, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I, I did have some people in my corner, though. Some of my handlers were telling me who, who've been with me, you know, from day one were saying like, "Yeah, but you know what though? Like, they were like, you would have seen, you would you would have got got to this guy sooner though, and maybe even stopped him and tore through him a few years ago, you know. So like, it shouldn't take you this long to catch up to him. Like, yeah, okay, we think you got a raw deal, but you wouldn't have needed a couple more rounds a few years ago, and I didn't want to believe it. But you know, then I had this, this all domestic fight in my hometown back in August against Steve Claggett, who's another uh, tough uh, uh, Canadian powerhouse, and he's been. Uh, we we had similar career paths leading up to this, and obviously, I I had a higher apex than him, and I got to have some opportunities where I could achieve things on a bigger stage that. He didn't get to, so this was kind of his breakthrough win for him, fighting me. But it was a it was a fight that ca- Canadian fans have been clamoring for a long time, and I wish it would have happened. Looking back now in hindsight, I wish it would have happened three, four years ago. <laughs> but, uh, right, right. He's at a stage where uh, he hasn't had as much wear and tear as me, and he's still hungry. He still has that. He's hungrier than me. Looking back, he was hungrier than me. He still wanted to be like I was doing it, but I didn't want to do it as much as he wanted to do it at this stage. He was a little bit fresher. He had a bit more of a, be- a better engine than me at this point and uh, a little naturally bigger in it. It, it, it showed 
it, it showed in the fight. You know, like I needed, I needed a bit of a younger version of me where I had a little more spring on my feet, and uh, and 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 use my legs to to mitigate some of those guys' rushes. And I, uh, my my legs just weren't cooperating with what my my mind wanted me to do. You know. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, uh, good explanation there, and we you painted a really clear picture of how things manifested. Now let's you know talk about Tony Lewis and your career. You, you have so many things, uh, so many narratives in, in boxing. Some are are the, the really really refreshing sides of boxing, but then and also the the very very ugly sides of boxing but let's start with the refreshing right uh, the yeah. the guy who was supposed to be the opponent and uh, he comes in and he proves that he is no opponent he, he beats the young upstart and nowhere were you better in that situation than in 2015 when you uh uh bested uh carl dargan over 10 rounds uh just a a great moment uh one that's i think i got i had interviewed you right after that for the very first time let's go back and talk about that fight and and what it meant for you in your career and where does it fit in what you think were some of your greatest performances oh that has to be my most uh easily my most my most satisfying win and that and and probably my 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 career best victory that's probably my signature victory in my career, you know, um, yeah, things were clicking that night. I honestly feel on that night there, um, I could have competed with anybody in the world. You know, I was just, uh, uh, I was just, uh, my mind, my mind, uh, took me, took my body to, a to the heights I never seen before, you know, uh, this, everything just, everything just clicked. And, uh, Whatever whatever wrongs or injustices were done to me uh, be- beforehand in my career leading up to that fight, it uh, made it right that night. Yeah, it would always be an indeed. unforgettable uh, night for me. Oh, yes, in- indeed, indeed. Uh, the skills were on display, uh, like you said, uh, some of the best in the world at that time. Uh, all the refreshing things that you got to enjoy in uh, your boxing career is being the hometown draw, the hometown hero. Uh, several times you fought in front of a big hometown crowd uh, in Canada, more specifically in Cornwall, where you just dazzled everybody who was there virtually. Everybody was there cheering for you, and you did not disappoint in, in most of those fights, if not all of them. I think you won most of them. And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, just yep. at the top of your game. And what was that like being that thing? There's a lot of pressure, right? Uh, the added pressure of, okay, everybody wants tickets. Who's going to sell out or all, all that kind of stuff. But you always seem to yep. look like you relished in and performed at the top of your game in those Cornwall fights. I did. That was still, uh, those, those were, those were some, uh, those were some real prime years where I was, you know, from starting from say from Dargan on like, 2015 on up until 2018 2019 those were uh, those were really some some golden years for me and uh and, and I was really operating on a, on a level there where um, things were just uh effortless you know and I didn't have to you know um and, and we fought some tough guys you know we fought some tough guys and I I had I had the privilege to win a couple more regional belts in my hometown so it it was something that it 
been a long time coming. You know, it took nine years of fighting on the road before I got to have my first hometown show. So by the time we got there, I was already uh, at that stage. I was already an established contender. You know, I'd already fought for a world title, and I was still, and I was still, uh, I was still in the running and still trying to to compete to climb the ladder and uh, and get another shot. And um, uh, I, I'm proud that my hometown got to got to got to take part in some of that some of my journey live in person. And um, uh, you know, I'm glad I got to bring that to, to my community. And it, it, it's memories that I hope will stick with uh, with uh, my fans and supporters that follow me during that time. And uh, it's going to stick with me. You know, it's, it's going to stick with me for life. You know. Yeah, and as great as that was, and as uh, much as you rose to the occasion each time, talk a little bit about the extra added pressure that has to be there, the pressure that comes along with every fight. Plus. Well, so talk by, about the plus. By the time it came, well, by the time it came, like, uh, at that point, um, at that point, I was an experienced enough pro that I was able to, uh, I was able to get a better grip on all that stuff and uh, tune out the noise. Uh, and, and focus and focus on the big picture and like the task at hand. So by, by the time my career reached a stage where we were um, uh, where we were able to bring the show here, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, the old saying is, you, you know, build it and they will come. We were able to do that. And uh, for years, a lot of people in the box me laughed when they thought they did it. Cornwall, where's Cornwall? A boxing show in Cornwall, you know, and they thought the, just the name of the city sounded funny, but then we did it. And then some of those same guys were the ones that, oh, looking to get on my undercard now so they can just to get a fight, you know, and get some, to stay active and get opportunities. But so mm-hmm. we did that, you know, myself and my team, we were able to put a small little city uh, that goes unnoticeable on the map and uh, and bring some, some big fights here and, 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 and some, big, you know, some fun events. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of everything you said, you know, guys trying to chase and hustle for tickets and, and this and that, and, and a lot of noise, a, a, a lot of noise. But I was able to channel it, and I had a good, strong support team behind me. But my father, first and foremost, who were able to keep me keep me locked in and focused and uh, and uh, always reminded me that, you know, all, all, all this is gravy. You know what I mean, but 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 if you fall into it and get caught up in that, you know, you lose once, it goes away. I never lost sight of that, so um, I was uh, I was able to compartmentalize that and, and, and find a balance relatively easy, to be honest with you. Oh, good. And uh, for those who never saw those Cornwall uh, events, they they, they were happenings. Uh, you know, ballistic crowd, high octane. The fights, a lot of energy. Uh, all the cards that I saw, all the opponents, even on the undercard, came to fight. They came to win. It, it, just a gr- great nights of boxing, uh, those Cornwall cards, for, for those who, who did not see them. What was your most memorable? Thank you so much. You know, thank you so much. And you know what? I, I have mm-hmm. to give – I, I, I want to acknowledge uh, my, my, my promoter, Dennis Benoit of uh, Live Core Boxing, who um, – you know, for better or worse, we had some disagreements over the years, and we had we had our differences. But he did have, he did share a vision with me that other promoters didn't. That there was a market here that we could tap into in Cornwall and and uh, exploit that uh, that hometown demographic and create a demand for it in the community. And 
carried my career, kept me active, reboosted my career, and gave me a second wind, and uh, provide that platform for me to uh, to keep maintaining uh, my career operating at a world class level. He, he was able to make it happen, uh, so uh, so I, I I have to thank him for that also for uh, for uh, for opening the doors for for me to be able to accomplish the things I accomplished in Cornwall. And the flip side of it, the, the, the ugly side of boxing, you know all too well, uh, a couple of different things. Let's start off with the, 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 the terrible decisions. I mean, uh, Ivan Redcatch, Derry Matthews, terrible decisions. And I agree with you on, on the John Bowser card, the, the, that fight March 19th uh, of this year. Uh, I, I couldn't understand the this, this scorecard. At the very least, you might have, you might be able to say Bowser won by a round, but I don't even think that was yeah. the case. Uh, but uh, the scorecards from prominent judges: Steve Weisfeld, seventy-nine seventy-three, or is that seventy-eight? <laughs> or uh, and uh, I think it's seventy-nine seventy-three. And uh, Walesco Rodan, seventy-eight seventy-four, and then one of the other judge, Ezo, had a had a shutout for for Bowser and. The, the other frustrating thing is that a, lo- a lot of uh, sports writers, guys like Mike Woods, are on uh, social media saying, "Yeah, it, it was a good decision." I, I, I was baffled. So to, I mean, you clearly won Red Catch and, and Matthews, and you deserve a whole lot better on the scorecards against Bowser. So you know all too well that ugly side of boxing. Oh, of course, I think. Uh, I think you said it all right there. And, and to, you know, the problem with, with boxing. You know, when you have who's paying these judges and these athletic commissions ringside, the A side promoter. That's a fact. They're the they're the they're, they're the ones giving these guys their check for their work when it when it's all said and done. Where would that get away? Where would you get away with that? With you think of any job, any reputable company or any organization with you know. It's a conflict of interest. It's a huge conflict of interest. When, when the when, when the party that's paying you has a vested interest in one of the, in 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 half of the, you know, competitors, literally in the show. You know, it, it's a huge. What do you think that judge is gonna, you know? It's not like the old days where like, a monster's coming up, stuffing cash in your pocket. It's not like that. But what they do, and I've seen it. You know, come fight week, you know, the ringside officials and the judges, they get to the venue. But the A-side guy, the A-side promoter, they wine and dine them. They look after all their lodging. They take care of them. The, the finest hotels, the best restaurants, the best food, the, the, be, the best whiskey. And, oh, I'm so excited for you to see my main event. This kid here, oh, I got such high hopes for him. You plant those seeds, you know, just by saying that. You planted those seeds. I can't wait to see this guy. I'm telling you. You put that in their head, and knowing like, hey, as a judge, I want to come back and work these shows again because you, you know this promoter has the network deal, so I get, I, I get, a, I get a nice handsome paycheck when I when I work his shows at the Garden or here or there, whatever you know. So I want him to keep coming back. So, so he's gonna give that A side fighter the benefit of the doubt in every single close round, you know, and and and, and some of the judges are, are more blatant about it than others. You know, but they'll, you know what I mean? So 
to, to me, that's why we see so many ridiculous decisions, mm-hmm. and, and we see these 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 these, these fights we watch that it looks one way to us on the TV screen back home or ringside, and then like the judges are seeing something else that no one else in the arena or back home saw. To me, it's very simple. That's what it is. And what, how do we solve that? Well, I don't know. To me, Teddy Alice was saying it for years. Pound the drums didn't go anywhere. We need a federal commission. We need a federal governing body that can regulate these uh, these fucking clowns and assets, you know, <laughs> uh, part of my French, and keep them all oh, in line. And, uh, be as foul as you want. We can, we, 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 what's that? <laughs> I said you could be as foul as you want. Curses are good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but to me, that's what's missing. If, if we had, we would need somebody, somebody a higher up, somebody with some political influence who gives enough of a shit to expand on the John McCain Act and take it a step further and get a bill passed where we can get a federal government body to regulate boxing, you know, like like every other major league sport has. Right. You, you know, uh, a federal commission, a union for the athletes, uh a pension plan, all those things, but uh, but to me, a federal governing body is uh, is essential if you want to clean up some of the, some of the nice unboxing. Because right now it's the wild, wild west. You know, the, these promoters Indeed. and these networks and these athletic commissions, they have no one to answer to. They all kind of network amongst each other and uh, and call the shots, and the money's all at the top. You know, and uh, there's uh, there's there, there, there's no there's no one. There's no one or no entity there to, to hold them accountable. Right. In the meantime, and it that, was, and it, and it was our years in the training. And they put their, they they put everything into their livelihoods to, uh, to hone their craft and get opportunities. And like one bad decision puts them back down, in the rankings cuts the future future persons in half, and they have to fight, say five more tough fights again just to get another big shot on the big stage. And by the time they get that shot again, they're past their prime. It's not fair. And indeed, and it was Wise Styles card was seventy nine seventy three. I didn't read it wrong. And this is the guy that's widely regarded as one of the best. And that's that's this is a terrible scorecard. But uh, no need to hop on that a little bit. When we have more bad things in boxing to discuss, uh, the other unfortunate thing uh, that happens a lot in boxing without getting into specifics, you dealt with the business side of boxing, uh, dealing with some of these uh, people that are the most honest, aren't looking out for you 100%. Again, I'm not going to get into details with that. If you want to, feel free. But what I do want to ask you is since you've lived it, since you've done it, since you've sadly experienced it, and I'm sure you had some good things happen to you as well. You already talked about that. What advice could you have for a young fighter to not get duped by the business side of things that so many fighters often do? Get an education. Get an education. Have a backup plan because boxing doesn't provide a pension or any long-term financial benefits. You know, so like in, start if you're – if you're on a good run where you are reaching your peak and you're making some better purses and you're you're falling into a new a new income bracket and your career is going to, to you know the the higher levels, start investing your money now, uh, you, you know, uh, and, and and wisely now so you can have something whenever it's said and done, uh, and try yourself have a good support team, you know, 
uh, have people around you that, that you can trust and that are smarter than you, and that's okay, you know. Uh, and have a plan B. I, you know what? Think of a career after boxing and, 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 and start taking steps towards that now, you know, because boxing is forever, you know. But if you start investing your money, you know what? Uh, if, if you have it, buy some land. Invest in some real estate, you know, you know what I mean? Create some, some passive income for yourself later. Um, whatever myself, I, myself, I, 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 I finished college while I was still within the first year or two of my career. I was, I was still finishing up college and, uh, I was a, a full-time student while I was training full-time training and fighting. And, uh, with that, I, I engaged in a career in social work for about a decade, uh, while I was boxing. Um, you know, shift work around the clock, but it, it was it was a hustle. But I was young; I had the energy for it, uh, and uh, just you know, master time management and and learned how to reset my body clock so I can so I can keep training, but then still keep showing up for work and and and, and being the best at both. And you know, uh, uh, but 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 it helped because you know there was there were some years where I definitely could have lived just off box. There were some years where I could have just off boxing, but then with politics and litigation and and and, and contracts and things can happen, right. chaos can happen. You you know what I mean? Whereas like I'm, I'm fortunate mm-hmm. there were some years that I did finish school and that I did have something on the wall that that garnered me a job where I can make some income and continue to support myself in the slower years of boxing. Wasn't always putting the kind of bread on the table that I needed, you know. So. Um, uh, that was the biggest thing I'd say is surround yourself the right people. Learn about money. Learn about taxes. Learn learn about taxes and how to file your taxes properly. And 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 and, and whatever uh, tricks and loopholes you can find to to save and keep as much as you can in your pocket, you know, give yourself a good accountant. Uh, big thing I can say: manage your finances. Start investing early. Learn about taxes and set up a plan B uh, for income. Uh, that's going to carry over after boxing is over. All right. Thank you for that. Now, while you have no plans to have a Ray Leonard like retirement, like Ray Leonard, <laughs> like Andre Ward, like Timothy Bradley, and so many others now, you are in the booth. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. I started, I started commentating. So I, uh, I, it was something that I always wanted to get into that was another thing I, I I fantasized and dreamed of as a kid. Uh, I loved uh, I loved reading boxing out loud to my mother as a kid, practicing my reporter's voice and arguing with the commentators on TV. You know, I I loved talking about it as much as I, I loved actually doing it uh, in the ring and fighting. So um, this is uh, uh, I'm blessed that I was able. To, there was an opportunity to transition this quickly. Um, I I did it. I had a one-time stint doing it as a, on CBS Sports uh, back in 2016 with uh, Steve Kim and uh, someone else, the blow by blow guy, I forget his name, but that was a really positive experience. But then uh, my career, just, I was still at the apex of my career where I was still too active and too busy uh, with my own career to, to make it uh, routine. But uh, now, uh, now that I got some time, a little bit more time on my hands and I'm not uh, active anymore, uh, there was a Tyler Buckley from Toronto uh, who runs a company called United Promotions, uh, probably one of the premier uh, promoters we have in the country right now. 
he uh, he's normally since the amateurs, and, uh, and and we've always maintained a, a, a you know a, a long respectful uh, uh, relationship. And he he offered me a gig. He goes, hey, I just signed a new contract with the Zone. Uh, we show, showcase my guys uh, right right here in Toronto, and uh, I'm looking to put together my broadcast team. And uh, would you want to be my color guy? I said absolutely, without a doubt. He made, he made me a good offer, and uh, I accepted it. And uh, and uh, you know, the only thing we pretty much agreed on was like, hey, in Ontario, in Ontario, I'm your guy. I'm loyal to you and no one else. You know, but uh, but I have the option to, you know, if if, if this takes off, we, uh, I did I did two fights already that I've called uh, last month, and I got two more before the end of the year, and they went really well. I'm working with. Uh, uh, the blow by blow guy, his name is Beto Beto Duran. He uh, works for Golden Boy, and uh, so so I'm working with him and Michelle Storino. She's the other color commentator. She's uh, uh she's uh, got a background in combat arts. I think more in MMA and Muay Thai, but she's got a good eye for the fight game and uh, she got broadcast experience. She's Canadian, um, so we we all worked really well. Our first two shows together. We got two more uh, in November and December, and. Uh, I have the option to where I'm hoping this can take off where we can uh where if 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 other doors open where if I, where uh I get calls from from the states to to do some shows uh uh south of the border and uh on on bigger networks or, or big, you know that's uh, that's that's something that that I'm open to and I'm hoping this can open the door to that and see if we can uh you know expand on this but in the meantime uh I'll be on the zone and uh, the zone, uh, the events that we're doing in Canada, they're uh, they're 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 streamed live on on the platform, and then it stays up on the app to, for replay for about a week if people didn't didn't uh, didn't catch it live. All righty, good stuff there, and congratulations on that. So, uh, talk a little bit about what work. What do you have to do? I mean, it's, you just don't show up and, all right, here's two guys and uh, what's going on, right? There's a lot of pre- preparations you have to do uh, when you're in the booth, when you're doing color. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so what I found what, what, where the bulk of the work is is preparing for the for the opening segments of the show and, and, and to get some research and context of the fighters. You know, I have the benefit of, because it's right here at home too, like uh, in Canada, I know a good number of these guys, or I know them either through because I've, I've sparred or trained with them directly, or we came to close the fighting at one point, or more often than not now at this at this stage of my life, it's hey I used to I used to spar with your older brother, <laughs> you know, or or, or you know your, your your trainer used to coach me back on the national team, or or for this fight or that fight, things like that. So all kind of I'm interconnected with some of these guys in one way or another, you know. So what it makes for is it makes for good chemistry. When I go to the wings and I talk to these guys, they're more open to want to talk to me than maybe one of the one of the other uh, reporters because we've got some personal some personal history and there's some uh the, the, we are there's some background there uh with 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 me and the guys. So he'll give me some material, he'll say some things be more open with me, he gives me material for the show. You know, and I'll take notes and I'll research the right whatever. I, if I don't know them personally, I'll research them on BoxRec, find footage of them on YouTube, look at the numbers, look up their opponents, guys they fought recently, the level of opposition they've been fighting, you know, to to gauge where they're at in their career. 
and what they've accomplished or what they got to do moving forward. It's all stuff that gives me material to carry out to the broadcast. Um, but then once the fight's actually happening, like live on the broadcast, and I'm calling the fight from there, it's, it's well, now it's just pure, now I'm just going off what I've known throughout my whole life, you know, my own career, and like doing the sport. Now it's just, I see just calling the fight, you know, uh, that, that's, that, that you can't rehearse for, you know. Now, uh, that zone is, is where it's at for you. It, it, interesting because now that I started picking up this show again, I'm like, I have to get that zone. I got rid of it because I was a little angry that, uh, they started charging pay-per-view prices for Canelo. Oh, my, dog, my dog was angry, too. But I was like, all right. But then when I heard that, Tony, you, I could hear and see you on that zone. That's like, that was the, that was the, and I'm not even making this up. I was talking to Zach Familio, and once I knew you were calling fights on that zone, I was like, all right, it's a no-brainer. I'll, I'll resubscribe. They got me back. <laughs> so November 12th? And December third of the next two shows that uh, that I'll, that I'll be calling. Now I want you to put on your dream fights hat. One fight from the past of you know boxers of the past that never happened that you would have loved to color, and one fight of the future, something that could be realistic if you had your dream fight to color, one in the past and one with active fighters. Which would those fights be? Okay, so so the, the the one in the past is like one that one that w- were were got they never fought they, ne- they 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 never they never got they never got the tangle is that what you're saying like a fantasy match that never happened that could have happened? Correct. Okay. Uh, probably Duran and Chavez. All right, yeah, that 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 would have been nice. Yeah. And what about yeah. one that, that we might be yeah. able to get? What, what about Crawford one that we Spence. might be able to? Crawford Spence. I think that's the, I think that's the biggest fight in boxing that can be made right now, and I, I hope they make it happen before it's too late. You know, I don't want to see another Mayweather-Pacquiao on our hands. You know. And it looks like, uh, sadly, that we might be headed in that direction. What are your thoughts on that? I think they're doing Crawford wrong. I think PBC at this point is sabotaging the fight. I understand. You know what, like, maybe Spence does slightly bigger numbers. Maybe he's a slightly bigger draw to get. He does better pay-per-view numbers. Okay, he deserves a bit more of the uh, a bigger piece of the pie, but not that much bigger. And, like, Crawford's already agreed to take uh, to, to take uh, less than half of the pie. And he's, he's compromising some of the other terms. And they're still, they're still putting roadblocks up. He just wants transparency. Uh, to me, um, to me, it's a shame that uh, to me it's a shame that uh, they're doing Crawford wrong like this. And, and he he is 34, going on 35, you know. So like, and it can happen. It can happen at any time. It can happen overnight, especially if, if a fighter sitting on the bench long enough. You know, as it gets older, it gets stale. It can happen where one day you wake up and you know what, the legs and the reflexes just. They're not clicking the way you want them to. It can happen, and I feel like they're they're waiting Crawford out a little more. Yeah, because we were 
more of the same and we're going to see that moment where if it's possible for Haney to improve on his performance and I think he'll have that opportunity will he will he take it or will he take the quote unquote play safe route that's one thing to keep an eye on there uh, and Cambosis is going to rise to the occasion. You know he's going to be there. You know he, he's a killer. You know he's going to go all out to try and prove us all wrong. So it should be uh, uh, fun in many aspects. Wilder, Helenus, uh I think the biggest upset would be if that fight happens to go to distance. You just never know. It, it's quite possible. Uh, you know, I, very rarely do I pick against Wilder, but I think this is one where the, the matchup doesn't suit him or a, anybody. Wilder fights, he could get out of there and he could and he could crush. He actually did it not once but twice to Tyson Fury for ten seconds. But in both fights, Fury had the great benefit of long counts. Right? Everybody talks about the first one. Yeah, that second fight, there was a long count, too. Yeah, kudos for Fury for getting up and all that kind of stuff. But nobody would have said boo if those fights were counted properly. So uh, Wilder has a chance to do that against anybody. But I think Hellenus is on Hellenus is on the higher side of things right now. He's riding the momentum, and uh, he's a thudder himself. So I, I like to see... Uh, what happens there, and I'm measured towards Hellenist, uh to take out Deontay, so we'll see. Thank you once again, Zach Familio and Tony Lightning Lewis for coming on. Uh, we'll be back on the air next week. Until then, keep on punching. Stop flying fun, and I'm not taking any more.